You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog. We've been covering the Chargers now for six seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly, and this is our fourth season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Still getting used to that open and having it be the fourth year of us doing the Locked On Chargers podcast. Happy to be back with you guys today. Thank you to everyone who is checking out the show for the first time. We really appreciate your guys' support and the support of all of our loyal listeners who continue to call in, continue to keep checking back in with us. We really appreciate you guys as well. And we have a really fun show for you guys today because we do have some news regarding who the Chargers have interviewed. They spent Thursday looking at Joe Brady and interviewing him. And today, as you guys are listening to this, they are going to interview Jason Garrett. So we'll start the show just by talking a little bit about that. And then in the middle of the show, in the second segment, we'll be getting into what the Chargers players want to see in their next head coach. We heard people like Derwin James and Chris Harris Jr. sound off about that. And then to wrap up the show, we have a few more voicemails we wanted to get into. We have a poem from the Chargers nerd I think you guys are going to want to hear and then we'll also be talking about maybe not or being too harsh on Jason Garrett and maybe overselling Eric Bieniemy a little bit so we'll talk about that as well and some other Charger stuff in the voicemail segment but let's go ahead and get into it Ian Rappaport was reporting on the Chargers today and the first thing he said was that the Chargers tomorrow are going to be interviewing Giants offensive coordinator Jason Garrett, so as you guys are listening to it, it's probably Friday, so the Chargers are supposed to interview Jason Garrett today, and we're going to get more into him later, and obviously what he's been able to do with the Giants last year was not very good. I know people are not happy about the Chargers even interviewing Jason Garrett, but it doesn't seem like the Giants want to let him go, David. No, they don't. I mean, in that same tweet from Ian Rappaport, he said that uh, the GM, Dave Gettleman, was antsy. Uh, about the uh, the idea of Jason Garrett leaving the New York Giants and you know taking a head coaching opportunity somewhere else, apparently they would like to keep him. I mean, I understand you know whether regardless of w- w- whether he performed well or not, because you know that offense was was terrible. They had a lot of injuries and they don't have a lot of skill position players uh, besides Saquon Barkley. You know he was out so and you know Daniel Jones was also hurt so. There's a lot of unknowns there, especially with the COVID. There's a lot of passes that are being given out. But I think also, uh, you know, an underlying factor that with this is a calming factor for Joe Judge because he's a, a young head coach and Jason Garrett's been a head coach before and had, you know, has been a head coach, you know, for several years. So I know that might be part of it. But as far as uh, the Chargers interviewing him, I mean, I mean, we'll get more into that later. I'm still not a huge fan of it, but maybe we, we should be a little bit more open to it than we are, and I still don't like the way that sounds. <laughs> no, I mean, if you look at what he's been able to do with the Cowboys and what that offense is offense has been able to do, I mean, he did put up some good numbers there that we will get into later. But the one that I did want to talk about now and get into was 
that Ian Rappaport also reported that the Chargers spent today interviewing Joe Brady, the Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator, who before that was the LSU passing game coordinator with Joe Burrow and the record-setting LSU Tigers offense in 2019 that won the national championship. And he's a guy that is really interesting, David, just because he is a very innovative mind. I mean, he's a guy that likes to find a way to get the ball into his playmaker's hands. In the words of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the Chiefs running back from his time at LSU. And obviously, he got a lot out of that, you know, with over 1,800 yards from scrimmage that year, 55 catches for almost 500 yards. So, I mean, he knows how to use someone like Austin Eckler, and that way it's a good fit. But it is interesting, at least, to talk about someone like Joe Brady. And the plus side is is you're going to get someone that is going to try to maximize the potential of everybody on your offense. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for a young and innovative offensive mind, then Joe Brady is definitely a guy that you want to bring in and talk to. I mean, this guy is 31 years old, and he has only been coaching for seven years, but he has absolutely flown through the coaching ranks, starting as a an intern at his alma mater, and then you know really hooking up with some really really good offensive coaches, some really good minds. I mean, he's coached with you know Joe Moorhead at Penn State, Sean Payton, Pete Carmichael, of course, you know with New Orleans, Steve Esminger with LSU. I mean, he's also you know worked with Laycock, an offensive minded coach who was a mentor to head coaches like Mike Tomlin, Sean McDermott, and Dan Quinn. So. You know, the big, you know, message that I've been seeing out there about Joe Brady is, yeah, he doesn't have a lot of experience, but it's really the quality of his experience and the people he has had the opportunity to work with um, that shines through with Joe Brady. I mean, he definitely has some innovative concepts and looking at his, his first year as an offensive coordinator, nothing really, you know, spectacular. I mean, in the 20s uh, for most of the offensive metrics, but one of them, does stand out a little bit to me, and that's the explosive plays. He did have 101 explosive plays in his offense, so that is definitely a good positive trend. And that was something we saw when he was the passing game coordinator at LSU because they had 303 explosive plays. Number one, that was a historic offense that they had at LSU, 15-0 national championship. So we know that Joe Brady is definitely going to bring his philosophies and his unique experience to the table. When you like the thought of what he'd be able to do in this offense, especially if they bring back Hunter Henry, we expect Mike Williams at this point to be back with the Chargers, but getting those guys all spread out, trying to find mismatches for the offense, and also giving really easy reads for Justin Herbert and helping his development. The other thing is, too, is he would definitely be able to kind of exemplify Justin Herbert's athleticism, too, because that is something he did with Joe Burrow and something he's run a lot in the other stops that he's been at with, you know, run pass options and read options and that kind of stuff. So I think that's all very interesting. But obviously, when you're a young guy like him, I think he's 31 or about to turn 31, one of the two. He's super, super young. You don't see head coaches usually get hired that young. So it is a a fair question to wonder whether or not he would be that locker room guy. I mean, it's hard to say that he would be like Anthony Lynn because that was one thing that Anthony Lynn excelled at was being a leader, getting guys to buy in and getting the respect of his locker room. So I think as far as, you know, he doesn't have a ton of experience. Obviously, that's a concern. But I think the one other thing is, is just even what Tom Telesco has talked about, Wanting that guy that's going to command the locker room is going to be, you know, the number one thing they're looking for, he said. Yeah, well, and, you know, to get some more insight, you know, doing some research on Joe Brady, I actually uh, looked at a Falcons.com article, and they had a pretty good quote from his, you know, former offensive coordinator at William & Mary, Kevin Rogers. 
And he said that Brady, he's a very calm human being. He doesn't get rattled. He's able to focus. When he makes a correction, I think he's a disarming guy who doesn't offend anybody yet. But the same token, I think he's not afraid to let someone know when he when they haven't done things the way he wants to get them done. And he has a burning desire to be as good as he can be. I mean, those are all great attributes. And, uh, you know, you want a guy that's going to be able to stay calm under pressure and be able to make adjustments and be able to communicate. And you want to be able to, you know, give feedback, you know, constructive criticism to players. And you don't want to make it seem like you're insulting them. You want to make sure that, you know, hey, you know, this is how I want it done. This is how it, you know, we have to make these corrections and this is how it's supposed to look like. So I think those are some pretty interesting comments that give you a little bit of insight into the person that Joe Brady is. Yeah, and if you're an NFL head coach, I mean, you have to be able to look the players in the eyes. In some cases, they might be older than you if you're Joe Brady and correct them on something that they're doing wrong. And if they don't like your answer, you have to be able to kind of control that from them and and not get disrespected in front of your team and things like that. So, I mean, being a head coach obviously comes with a lot. If you get Joe Brady, you obviously want him to revolutionize your offense. You want to run the Joe Brady offense, whatever that is that he wants it to be. And he said at every stop, you know, I'll evolve with the players that I have on the roster. So, I mean, I do think that is a very interesting fit. I mean, you don't want to miss out on who could be, you know, the next big offensive mind in the NFL. And that's what he's being touted as right now. But what he was able to do with Carolina with those explosive plays without Christian McCaffrey for most of the season. And, you know, what he was able to do turning Joe Burrow into just an average player his junior year to like the best player that we've ever seen playing college football at quarterback the next season, I mean, was pretty crazy to see. And obviously that's someone you're like, oh, I wonder what he could do with Justin Herbert. But we do have two more segments to get into. So we're going to talk about what some of the Chargers players want to see out of their next head coach. I mean, I think you'll be interested to hear what those guys have to say about that before wrapping up the show with some voicemails, and we'll get into that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that one of the most frustrating things ever to me as not a car guy is when something goes wrong with my car, and even if I know what part I need, I don't know where to buy it. I don't want to walk into a chain store and try to describe to them what I need. Instead, I'm always using rockauto.com because chain stores have different price tiers for professionals and mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. With rockauto.com, the prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. So that's always what I'm looking for. They make everything super simple, and instead of having to go out of your house, you can keep it contactless by having them deliver it right to your doorstep. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate, which is something I desperately need. And you can quickly see all the parts they have available for your vehicle, and you can choose the brands and specifications and prices that you prefer. All you guys have to do is go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts that they have available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, guys. Well, one thing we have talked a lot about is what we want to see from the Chargers' new head coach. But what about what the players want? And obviously, unless you're Deshaun Watson, you're probably not going to have a say in who the next head coach is going to be if you're a Chargers player. It didn't seem player. like he had any say in his decision for the general manager either. But, uh, yeah. you know, that's neither here nor there. No, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean... I don't know if anyone has that kind of power with the Chargers, so I don't know if they're going around asking what they're looking for, but the Chargers players have talked about some of the things they do want to see 
from their next head coach. And Fernando Ramirez put together a good article bringing all of those things together. And we'll start with Derwin James because obviously he's one of the unquestioned leaders on this team. He said it was going to be happen when he came in. He said, I'm going to be a leader. And Melvin Ingram said, you have to earn it. And now he is an unquestioned leader, especially with his work ethic and trying to come back from some of these devastating injuries over the last couple of seasons. But when Derwin James was asked what he wanted to see from his next head coach, he said, I'm just a guy that's going to lead us and a guy that is going to challenge us every day and just going to expect us to do our jobs at a high level. And that's all you can ask for. And I know Fernando did talk about, you know, maybe Robert Sala is that high energy guy that's going to demand a lot of Derwin James. And I expect that, but I think David, that's the one thing that's necessary as a coach is, I mean, you have to be able to hold your players to a certain standard and, I mean, at times, even under Anthony Lynn, it didn't seem like some of these players were getting held to that standard until they started making some changes and using a lot of different guys on special teams. You were seeing the same players go out there for the most part that were making the big mistakes. So I do think that is a crucial part in getting one of these coaches and also one of the kind of warning flags about getting some lesser experienced coaches, bringing them in for the head coaching position is just being able to have a guy that's going to hold that high level of respect from his players, get it back from his players, and expect them to you know, go out there and be able to execute at a high level. Well, and also, I'm looking for a coach that's not going to have favorites. Because, I mean, for all of Anthony Lynn's, you know, incredible, you know, character features, you know, the guy has definitely got, you know, a, a great, you know, foundation of background, way a good communicator, a very admirable man, you know, the way he carries himself. But he had his favorites, you know, and, and I think that was pretty clear. I just want the best 53 players. I want the best guys that are going to be on the field to be able to help us win. So I want to be able to, I want a coach that's going to be able to come in and evaluate and be able to recognize the best players and put them on the field. I think we got to get away from the favorites. And for Derwin James, I mean, this guy is self-motivated. We know that. So he's not really asking for much. I mean, those are pretty much the bare requirements for any head coach. You have to be able to challenge your guys no matter what. But, you know, that's one of the things I'm looking for with the new head coaches. Put the best players on the field and get away from the favorites. Yeah, and obviously for any coach, you don't want to be the coach that is playing favorites, but... I think as much as playing favorites could have been a part of it, I think the other thing was just that are you not seeing the guys that are struggling that you keep continuing to put out there instead of letting someone else get a shot at that role? I mean, I think you could look at it with the offensive line and Dan Feeney to some extent, especially, you know, over his first couple of seasons. Even last year, he wasn't great, but there's been some times he's really struggled. But if you ask Anthony Lynn about it, you know, Oh, I thought those players have come a long way. I thought those players have played great. You can't really openly bash those guys, but you're showing the you know that you actually kind of feel that way by continuing to put them out there. And we've seen other guys step into roles because of injuries and then lose those roles when the favorite kind of comes back to the team. So I do think that is a concern when you're hiring a coach because you want him to be putting the best players out there, the most cohesive team out there. But Chris Harris Jr. had a different kind of way of looking at it. He said he wants a guy with some experience. He said a lot of times you have a team that has a lot of talent. You just kind of want the guy that can get you over that next hump, get you to that next level. And what he was talking about, as Fernando Ramirez does, is he had Gary Kubiak come in when he was the Broncos, and he ended up leading them to a Super Bowl when they had John Fox before that. And I think this just brings up kind of the question of whether you want a retread head coach. I mean, whether it's Marvin Lewis whether it's some other guys out there that have previously been head coaches. It is a hard question for me. I mean, I'm always probably going to go with the guy who is young and exciting or someone that I just feel like would be a really good fit. 
But I do think there is something to it, you know, with certain teams, if you have that talent, you just need to have someone come in there that can just not mess things up, hold everyone accountable, give you all that Super Bowl experience. But there's not a lot of guys with Super Bowl experience just, you know, lounging around. No, there is not. But I think it's funny to hear the different perspectives from the different players here with Chris Harris Jr. wanting an experienced head coach and talked about how there's a lot of experienced players on the team. I mean, I don't think so. There's a couple of guys that have some good experience like Linval Joseph and Chris Harris Jr. But there's not a lot of like, you know, eight, nine, ten, you know, tenured guys that are on this on this team right now. So. I mean, I, I think it's be, you know because he's a veteran is a, is why he wants someone with some experience to come in, which I understand. Uh, but I just think it's interesting to, to hear the different perspectives from where different guys are at in their career, whether it be Derwin James or Chris Harris Jr. But I mean, I understand the, the the attractiveness of having a head coach that already has some experience that's been there and done that. But I mean, I'm with you, Daniel. I mean, it's really more about the fit and who's going to be able to get the most out of their players we've seen you know this with this year in the playoffs there are several head coaches that are first year guys that have took their team to the playoffs so experience is not everything it's the about the right fit and the 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 coach being able to push the right buttons at the right times yeah and there's obviously a lot of young coaches that are out there right now that didn't have a ton of experience when they took over you look at Matt LaFleur, who's the number one seed in the NFC. You look at Sean McVay, who's going to the playoffs again with the Rams. Even Sean McDermott, who has the, you know a juggernaut-looking Buffalo Bills team that he's taking to the playoffs. I mean, sometimes you have to take chances that don't have head coaching experience. But I do think you know what Marvin Lewis was able to do with the Cincinnati Bengals, who were a you know laughable franchise, to do what he was able to do with Andy Dalton and making the playoffs as much as he did turning that franchise around as far as being able to put winning seasons out there. Obviously, he didn't have any playoff success, but I do think he was a good coach out there. It's just hard for me to get excited about retrade guys. I would just rather try something new, try someone that hasn't gotten that opportunity yet, and make sure you're picking the right guys because it's more about just picking the right guys rather than if the guy has a ton of experience or not because we've seen guys with no experience it really have a lot of success. It just hasn't been the guys that the Chargers have picked. But we do have one more segment to get into because I do want to get into some more voicemails. So we have a Chargers poem from the Chargers nerd. We'll also be getting into much more in our voicemail segment coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is betonline.ag. They're the only betting place that we trust. And that's where I put my money, especially on football Sundays. And right now, guys, the football season is running out. So if you're looking for a place to get some extra juice on the games, betonline.ag is the place that we use. And I'll tell you what, once the Chargers aren't playing anymore, if you're watching other games from other teams that you don't care about as much, I promise you you have the over-under in that game. You're going to care a hell of a lot more. So if you guys are looking to do that and do that with some free money, go to betonline.ag because when you go on there and sign up and get a free account, you can use the promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. That's free money to bet on sports, guys. I mean, there's really no downside to it. That's a Locked On, all caps, one word, at betonline.ag for that 50% welcome bonus. All right, well, I know we skipped out on voicemails for a couple of weeks, so this was supposed to be the week where we made up on a lot of those, and obviously you guys continue to just bring really good voicemails. And today's going to be a little bit of a different batch. I'll start by saying that, but I do want to get as many Chargers fans onto the show as I can. So on today's 
voicemail segment we'll be getting into three more voicemails and we're going to be starting with the chargers nerd but before that i want to tell you guys if you want to get on the show the number is 323-524-7924 for the locked on chargers voicemail line and we'll be continuing to do these in the offseason we're going to be you know three segments every day five days a week until the chargers get back going again or at least until june when our offseason is so we're going to have some time to film. We love having you guys come on and giving us different things to think about. So let's start with the Chargers Nerd, who's calling in from Chicago. Let's see what he has for us this week. Hi, Dan, Dave, and John. The Chargers Nerd here, calling for my first time from Chicago, representing the diehard Bolt Club of Chicago. So shout out to Bobby C., Sosa Baby, Cesar, Arturo, and the whole game. So with this big coaching decision before the Chargers brass, I've been meditating on some of the key questions that will define the debate in the weeks ahead. Is it time for the Chargers to engage in some urban planning? Will that get us stuck in a quag mire? Is Eric the enemy the enemy? Will the Chargers fans have to grin and dare it? Should we dabble in the prospect of Dable? Should Arthur be the author of the Chargers' fate? Who's going to holla for Robert Sala? How many fans are in the Brady Bunch? Who's playing hardball for Harbaugh? Who's down with the pep talk? Did I definitely fail to find something to go with Eberflus? I guess for Chargers fans, we'll just have to stayly tune for the results. Nerd out. Well, I mean, I love that. I mean, I love people calling in and doing something a little bit different. I mean, obviously, there's not a question there. I don't have a question for you, David, as far as where to take that. I mean, I know for me, I'm definitely dabbling in Dable. I don't think that Biennemi is the enemy necessarily, but he's definitely not high on my list. David, do you think Arthur Smith is going to be the author of, you know, Justin Herbert's future successes? I mean, he very he very well could be, man. I mean, one thing I just literally read right now is that Arthur Smith is the son of the founder of FedEx, who is worth $5.6 billion. So he's not doing it for the money. Damn. No. He is not doing it for the money. He is doing it because he loves coaching. So it's very possible. I mean, hey, they don't have a Derrick Henry on the Chargers. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he definitely got the most out of Ryan Tannehill. So there's some pluses and minuses there for Arthur Smith. Maybe. I mean, who knows? And also, shout out to the Diehard Bowl Club. Definitely appreciate what you guys are able to do, especially, you know, in non-COVID times, the Diehard Bowl Club. Always showing up at tailgates, always, you know, drawing a really good fan presence there and always seem to be super loyal to not only to the team, but really a family with each other. And that's something that's easy for us to appreciate as a Chargers podcast. So definitely a shout out to the Die Hard Bowl Club. Shout out to Die Hard Bowl Club Chicago. We appreciate you guys. Hopefully you guys are checking out the show because we love to, you know, kind of spread our wings around the country because pretty much every voicemail show we do. None of them are coming from the same place. I mean, whether it's, you know, Ireland or England or Australia or New Zealand, you know, whether it's Washington, you know, all there's so many places that we've gotten calls from all over the U.S., all over the world. So really love to get those calls. And a special shout out to the people that are in Chicago and are still super fans of the Bolts. But we do have another couple of voicemails to get into. So this time, let's go with Mark from Florida. Let's hear what Mark has for us. Hey guys, this is Mark from Florida, big Chargers fan since the 1970s, going back past Dan Fouts to Jesse Freitas. Anyway, I want to see if I can get you guys to uh, reconsider your takes on Eric Bieniemy and Jason Garrett. I'd like to make a pitch for thumbs down for Bieniemy, thumbs up for Garrett. As far as Bieniemy goes, we've got to remember, we're hiring a head coach, not an OC. Bieniemy's an OC, never been a head coach. 
It's questionable who really runs that offense there. From all appearances, it's Andy Reid, not the enemy. And I don't know that taking the OC from our division rival and transplanting that offense to the Chargers is really going to be effective. I mean, we're going to, they're going to know everything we're doing because they practice against it every day. And Jason Garrett, his winning percentage as a head coach is somewhere up near 60%. And that's with a lot of drama from players on his team and from the owner, who's always yapping in his ear and always out in front of the media. He wouldn't have any of those things uh, in Los Angeles. And, uh, and with that head coach experience, I just think we might be overlooking some positive from Jason and maybe some negative from the enemy. Don't get me wrong. I'm hoping for dabble above both of them. But I just want to see what you guys thought about what I just brought up there, and maybe you could reconsider your positions on the enemy and Garrett. Thanks a lot, guys. Love the show. Well, Mark, I'm glad you didn't put your Twitter ad on there just because I don't want you getting any hate mail for you know supporting Jason Garrett. But I do think it's gone a little bit too far as far as the hate on him. Like, obviously, when you're looking at the Giants offense, you were trying to keep whoever was in charge of that as far away from your young quarterback as possible. Because obviously, even with the injuries to Daniel Jones, it's not like he was really doing what you would want to see from Justin Herbert going forward. So... I just think that obviously it's a tough situation for him being in that, you know, bad situation. But David, I do think, you know, maybe we are a little bit too harsh on him. I mean, I know it's kind of a joke at this point, Jason Garrett being the charge that coach, and I want pretty much anything but that, but he definitely at least has some credentials. He does. I mean, yeah, he was the head coach of the the Dallas Cowboys for quite a while, and he did have a 60% winning percentage, so you can't take that away from him no matter what. He did have a pretty decent quarterback in Tony Romo, and he did have a couple of good years that you're going to give some more specifics on. But for me, it's all about the demeanor. I just don't like Jason Garrett's demeanor. I don't like – he just doesn't seem like a guy that is going to be able to be that commanding force – he just seems like a puppet to me, and I and I I hate to be that insensitive, but that's what he was during you know his tenure as the Cowboys head coach under Jerry Jones. So I just I don't like I don't like the demeanor, and that's a big thing for me. I just don't think he can command that presence, and that's for that reason I I don't want anything to do with him. Yeah, eighty five and sixty seven as as far as his record in nine and a half seasons as Dallas's head coach, he was with them for thirteen seasons as the head coach and the offense coordinator six top 10 scoring seasons in those 13 years but I think the other biggest thing is when you look at what Jason Garrett was able to do you also kind of have to bring the caveat of hey for a lot of that stretch especially as he was the head coach was with the best offensive line in the NFL you know what I mean so many good players on the offensive line it's kind of deteriorated now but he also had a lot of really good quarterback play from Tony Romo to Dak Prescott. So I think he does deserve some credit for being able to use those guys well. I mean, when I think of Tony Romo, I think of a guy who's doing a lot of things off script, a guy that was, you know, kind of his own offensive coordinator to some extent, which is the way he sees the game. But yeah, maybe the hate went a little too far with Jason Garrett. Still, I definitely don't want him to be the Chargers head coach. And I don't think that we were like super high on Biennemi. I know there's been a lot of people that are high on Biennemi. I definitely understand it. I don't want to put down the guy's coaching career because I think, you know, a lot of the times it's like, oh, that's all Andy Reid. That's all Andy Reid. And I definitely don't want to be that person saying that. But at the same time, for me, it's just too hard to differentiate what he actually brings to the table, except for, you know, good leadership and all that, which I do think he is able to do from everything that I've been able to read on about him and just seeing his demeanor and talking in press conferences and things like that. But 
I just have guys that are much higher on my list. But there's one more voicemail I want to get into. This is K-Dub calling in from Albany, Oregon. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, this is K-Dub from Albany, Oregon. Hey, um, so I just wanted to touch on a few things, um, like especially regarding the Tom Telesco interview. Um, yeah, man, overall, I, I thought that was really good. I thought he made a lot of good points, uh, really expressed a lot of good vision for the future, um, pretty honest and open about, you know, what went wrong and what needed to be fixed. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I was kind of wavering, you know, one way or the other on him. But, yeah, I think he's he's probably good to keep and and probably has a good idea of uh, how to introduce and hopefully help uh, the next head coach. And, yeah, as far as, like, uh, I wanted to touch on past chargers, Phillip Rivers. Man, it's been awesome to see him just play his heart out and be behind a team that could uh, utilize him like he should be. Um, and then uh, Jason Barrett, probably one that we don't think of too often, but again, got behind a team that uh, could help him and he stayed healthy and just looked awesome. So good to see him succeed. And then Melvin Gordon, kind of cool to see. I mean, honestly, I mean, no hate, but kind of interesting and maybe slightly gratifying the way he went out to see him not succeeding so much uh, on the Broncos, uh, especially being in our division. And yeah, just excited about the new talent coming up, um, the receiving core, uh, you know, getting our linebackers healthy, uh, getting our safeties healthy, of course, Derwin James, um, you know, that's just gonna, if we can get some, some good, uh, coordinating on the defense situated, um, man, there's just, I, I just don't see too much stopping us, uh, you know, especially with, uh, Herbert and seeing obviously where he's gonna go, um, you know, just also seeing Tom, uh, Telesco really emphasize getting that, uh, offensive line in line and healthy and uh, progressing to be able to protect and keep the longevity of uh, Herbert. So, yeah, encouraging stuff. Uh, excited to uh, see what's going to happen next year. And always love you guys, the show, and uh, being a part of it. All right. So there's obviously a lot to talk about there. I mean, I definitely like you guys being able to, you know, come on and kind of vent just about all the different things going on. But as far as this goes, I do want to focus just on the players that the Chargers used to have and kind of seeing what they're doing other places. I mean, obviously, Telesco's presser. Yeah, it's nice to have a good vision. You know, I do think he kind of hit all the checkpoints as far as, you know, talking about what the Chargers needed to get better at and what they did wrong and holding himself accountable. But he has to go out there and obviously do it to earn back some of the respect of he actually hasn't been that great at drafting people especially in the later rounds during his career a lot of the big free agent signings he's brought in have not worked out but either way I do like watching Philip Rivers I still get scared for Philip Rivers at times like I feel like I have to like hope that he does really good just for the fact that it's like there's so many years I talked about him for the Chargers saying hey look this is not a lot of this isn't his fault you know because he was kind of the guy that had to fall on the sword but Jason Verrett, another great story. I've met Jason Verrett, actually, and a really cool guy, a guy that works really hard. 
it's nice to see Verrett doing so well. I mean, he's been like one of the best statistical corners in the NFL this year with the 49ers. So that's always good to see. And I would even throw Adrian Phillips into this as far as like, I knew Adrian Phillips was going to continue to be good. He was good for the Patriots when he was playing with them this season. So it is nice to see some of those guys, David, go on and have some success other places because I know I definitely still pull for those guys. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as long as they didn't talk, you know, talk trash about the team or about the organization. Like Melvin Gordon. <laughs> uh, like Melvin Gordon. Uh, then, yeah, I definitely would watch them. And, and Philip was our quarterback for 15-plus years. So, yeah, of course I'm watching Philip this weekend, and I'm definitely rooting for him. I hope he does play well because, really, the only thing that he needs is a championship, and that will, you know, legitimize every single conversation about being in, him being in the Hall of Fame because I already feel like he's a Hall of Famer, but if he gets that ring, then everyone's mouths will immediately close because there's yeah. nothing else to say after that. But yeah, as far as Adrian Phillips, I mean, you know, I watched him this year and we missed him. We missed him on special teams. We missed him on defense. Uh, and Jason Verrett, uh, I'm a, I, I'm a huge fan. I mean, I was, I was really excited when they when they actually drafted him because he's so twitchy, such a great athlete. He just couldn't stay on the football field with the Chargers. So to see him finally put together a good season where he's able to play more than 10 games for the first time since his rookie year, um, I'm very happy for Jason. And I, I hope he's able to stay on the field and continue to have success because he is fun to watch. He is. I mean, I loved his tenacity. I mean, he was a guy that was always undersized, but you couldn't tell that by his physicality. I mean, he could press people at the line of scrimmage. He could mirror people in coverage. I mean, he was the total package as a corner outside of health. I mean, he loved to tackle as well, which is something I always like to see out of the corners. But I'm just glad that he has been able to kind of, you know, resurrect his career a little bit this season. It's going to be hard to believe someone's going to give him a big-time contract just because of that injury history. But he's definitely earned his spot in this league, and I definitely think he'll keep getting opportunities to prove that, you know, he's healthy now. But with Melvin Gordon, it's hard to kind of bash him because he had a pretty good season. I mean, he ended up averaging 4.6 yards per attempt. He's really streaky. We know that about Melvin Gordon. I mean, a lot of good games and some real stinkers in the game logs as well from him. But I don't think that's, you know, a total failure. 986 yards, nine touchdowns for the Broncos this season. I mean, 4.6 yards per attempt, that's the second best of his career. He only had one season with the Chargers where he had over a 3.9 yards per carry. So, I do think that that's an okay season for Melvin Gordon. I mean, I still don't know if it was the wrong decision not to pay him. I'm glad that he's there instead of here taking up, you know, three or four years at $10 million per season. Give me Austin Eckler all day long. But I definitely understand, kind of hate watching some players that go and badmouth the organization, even though I'm not going to, you know, hope him, hope that he as a person, you know, doesn't do well. I mean, definitely pulling for the guy, and I definitely understood the holdout and all those things, I just think he got some bad financial advice. But Melvin Gordon, not a charger anymore. And I think that, you know, when you do see somebody like that struggle, especially since he didn't really do anything against the Chargers very much this season, it's always nice to see. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Thanks for everyone who... Thanks to everyone who called in with a voicemail. Once again, the number is 323-524-7924. We will be back with you guys on Monday, but until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page LockedOnChargers, as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there and make sure to rate and review. We would really appreciate it. We'll be back with you guys on Monday. If anything goes down over the weekend, you can check back in with us and next week with all the latest Chargers news, and hopefully we'll have some a little bit more clarity on the coaches that could be available for the Chargers. But until then, guys, take it easy and go Bolts.